Welcome to the Emerald City Hockey Podcast. Join RJ and Dylan as they discuss each week's Seattle Kraken news and top stories from around the league. All right, RJ, last week you asked me to give you odds on the NHL sending players to the Olympics. I said I thought it was pretty 50-50. Well, since then, the NHL has announced that they will be sending players to the 2022 Beijing Olympics, so I'm going to revise my odds if you'll let me. I'm now going to say that I think there's a 75% chance that the NHL will be sending players next February. What about you, RJ? Really? So the official announcement's out. The league's saying they're going. Player Association says they're going. 75% is is all you're willing to give it, huh? Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you take those odds in Vegas? Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd probably take the other <laughs> side of those odds. Yeah, I guess I won't complain uh, if you'll give me those odds. Um, but yes, there was the official announcement made. NHL players are going to the Olympics uh, in February in Beijing. Of course, barring a couple potential outs for the NHL, and I'm sure that's probably what you're referring to when you talk about the 75% odds. Why don't you tell us about the potential outs for the NHL? Yeah, I mean, the NHL left themselves plenty of ways to still like close the door on this. Um, they have until sometime in January to pull out, which is a ton of time to still make this call. Like, that's a long, a long time for things to change. Um, one of the things you and I were talking about that might have led to them making this decision now while still leaving such a, you know, a period of time for them to, to revise this decision or pull out entirely was there were several teams around the league that were holding off on selling their single game tickets for this season because they were waiting on the NHL to finalize the schedule for them as it regards to the Olympics. And, you know, it's a month away from the season starting. Those teams need to be able to sell those tickets. So I'm assuming those teams were probably pressuring the NHL to go ahead and make a call on this now uh, so that they could they knew what they were doing. Um, but again, if things change with COVID, either in China or here, if the NHL feels they need to be making up games because, you know, a bunch of games are canceled because of uh, COVID outbreaks, um, if they feel like, yeah, you know, teams have kind of been dealing with it off and on throughout the season, they might want to just go ahead, they might leave that break in, but go ahead and not send players to the Olympics, and they'll just use that, that break just to try to get everybody healthy again and kind of reset as a league and then try to make the push for the playoffs. There's just a ton of variables still left in this. Um uh, you know, I increased my odds about them going just because they did announce it, and I do think that means something. If they really were unsure, I don't think they would announce it. But the fact that they announced it and then let it be known that, you know, it's still a possibility that they won't be going leads me to think that they're still really considering whether or not they want um, to go ahead and participate next year. And it's just, it's just such a weird situation. <laughs> it is, and... The league did leave, you know, some pretty, you know, generous, you know, uh, amount of, of rationale that they can have for for not participating. And I've seen it reported too that uh, I think it was Elliot Friedman talking about this that the league just was not at all excited about the prospect of their players going to the Olympics. 
Um, even the NHLPA itself, not really all that excited. Um, the team's not very excited about it. But it's just something that the players want so much that there's this you know, mentality of, well, I don't care. You know, we have to make this happen. And looking at the NHL official statement, too, I mean, you know, the first you know, half of the statement basically is we're going and the second half is, but well, we're not so sure. Um, and here's for the reasons that we might not go. It certainly didn't look like, you know, any kind of statement uh, about going from, you know, eight years ago or 12 years ago or anything uh, earlier than that. Uh, it does seem like there's still that very uh, hesitant tone from the league and probably because it's something that really they don't want to do. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they ever want to send their players to the Olympics just because it disrupts the season. You have the chances of them getting hurt, all that stuff that we talked about last week when I when I was saying why I thought it was so 50-50. But yeah, I mean, the second half of that statement sure read to me like, when we use one of these excuses in a couple months to say why we're not going, you can't be surprised. <laughs> like, that was, it seemed like that was kind of the, the point of that. Um, but as of now... NHL players will be participating in the 2022 Winter Olympics. Um, one of the other big stories we talked about last week was, of course, the offer sheet that the Carolina Hurricanes made to Jesperi Kakaniemi. Well, the situation has reached its conclusion as Montreal has chosen not to match the offer sheet, meaning Kakaniemi is now a member of the Carolina Hurricanes, with the Montreal Canadiens receiving Carolina's first and third round picks in next year's entry draft. That being said, Montreal has already been busy looking to replace their departed former third overall pick, and they have traded either their first or Carolina's first, whichever one ends up being higher, along with a fourth-round pick to the Arizona Coyotes for Christian Dvorak. Now, Carolina has so far stated that the plan with Cockneyemi is to play him at left wing, not to have him as a center, which is a big, you know, something we're going to talk about. Um, but RJ, first question did the Canadians make the right call in not matching the offer sheet? I think they did. Uh, looking at it from a value standpoint, I think everyone knew that this was, uh, at least for this year, an overpay for Kakaniemi, and it would have made Montreal have to make some very difficult choices. And reports are that their GM, Mark Bergevin, looked around the league to see what his options were as far as replacement centers, and he was able to find one in Christian Dvorak for a pretty similar price to what the compensation was. It was a little bit higher of a price, but Dvorak, I think a lot of people would say, is the better player right now. Mm -hmm. And so Bergevin, whose team is you know, coming off of a final appearance, you know, obviously looks at his team as contenders, and through all this, they did get better today. Uh, so I think he made the right call there. Uh, and it, you know, it's tough to have to kind of call you know what some could look like as a bluff but basically to lose your player in something that was so clearly meant as revenge uh but i do think he made the right call um the trade you know value wise he did give up a lot for christian dvorak you know these teams knowing that he had these extra picks coming in i mean that's a first or third is kind of where the price starts knowing that he's in that situation needs to replace a center and doesn't really have a lot of leverage there he did manage to protect to top 10 protect the draft pick that would be going uh, that would be going Arizona's way, unless they're both in the top ten, and then it's the lower of the two. But basically, he protected himself against the eventuality of a top ten pick. So that's very important in the deal, I think. Um, but yeah, I think they did end up making the right call. Yeah, and you know, I'm sure a lot of people don't 
you know, know a ton about Christian Dvorak because he's been stuck in Arizona forever. Uh, but yeah, last year played all 56 games, scored 17 goals. He's a face-off beast. He's great on the power play. And that's really something that Montreal, I know, was looking to address. Um, I'm with you. I think he's the better player uh, right now. So as far as Montreal's looking, you know, it's kind of a wash, you know, the, the, the picks that came in versus the picks that came out. But I think the team is actually better without him, especially because they're not going to be paying him $6.1 million on a one-year deal. Um, but for, for Carolina, you know, to already be saying, look, he's going to be at wing, you know, are they, are they doing that to just to try to shelter him? Do you think they kind of had that plan all along? Like, I, I still don't know how much they believed they were going to actually end up with him. Yeah, I mean, I think the plan was you, you have to take into account the possibility that you're going to end up with him and know where he's going to fit in in your lineup, obviously. So I do think the plan to start him on wing was probably the idea from the beginning. And I think that's also a function of Carolina's center depth. I mean, they do have a lot of depth at center that they could afford to, to bump Kakaniemi out to the wing at least to start off with. And that's a nice luxury that they have that, you know, Montreal doesn't really have. Um, and especially given how early Kakaniemi was rushed in the NHL playing center, that's just so difficult to do coming in as an 18, 19-year-old. Uh, I think they almost want to give him a bit of a reset, you know, where he's coming to the league, you know, almost anew in a new situation and starting him out on wing in a way that you could argue that maybe Montreal should have. Um, so I'm not against that decision. I, I mean, given how rare it is for offer sheets not to be matched in the NHL, maybe they weren't really thinking that we're going to get this guy. I mean, they were in trade talks for him before, so they clearly wanted the player. But, yeah, I, I'm, I think we were all a little bit surprised uh, at the result, and I, I'm sure there was some surprise on, on the Hurricanes. GM Don Waddell said that he felt it was – you know, 50-50 chance, you know, as far as them matching it or not. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be interesting. I'm with you. I think they're going to move him to wing, try to give him that kind of soft reset that, you know, he probably needs after being scratched in the later parts of Montreal's playoff run last year, even though he was doing really well, certainly through, through the first two rounds. Um, but this whole offer sheet saga uh, gave you an idea why don't you tell us about that? Yes. Uh, thinking about all this offer sheet stuff, I wanted to bring back up something that we talked about a couple podcasts ago, and that was the idea of the Seattle Kraken offer sheeting the Vancouver Canucks' Elias Pettersson. So we talked about that. Should the Kraken do it? Should they not? But I want to introduce just a fun thought experiment because when we talked about that, it was – um, I think before a lot of this had happened with, with Kakaniemi, and we've seen the nature of this offer sheet. It was very clearly retaliatory. Um, you know, there was an element of revenge, an element of pettiness, uh, you know, in the signing bonus amount, all this stuff, the way the social media team acted. So my thought experiment to you is this. If the Kraken were going to go ahead and offer sheet Elias Pettersson, and they wanted to embrace the pettiness. They wanted to embrace that rivalry and do it up the same way the Hurricanes did. What What is the pettiest possible way the Kraken could make the offer sheet? Like, what would that look like? Yeah, it's a really interesting thought. Um, 
obviously you could riff off the jersey number thing, but you know we just saw that happen, uh, so I, I don't think you want to do that. Um, uh, the best thing I came up with was you could somehow work in Vancouver's finals loss in 2011, uh, whether that's the signing bonus is $2,011. Um, the other thing I kind of liked was, you know, we had kind of talked roughly where his salary was, depending on if they signed Quinn Hughes first, you could make the offer sheet for, you know, like a dollar more than they have available in cap space. Like just, just to show yeah. like you're just doing that on purpose. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately I don't know that it would ever really come across as petty because, you know, it's not like a revenge thing. It's more of a new team that still hasn't even played a game trying to kickstart a rivalry. And I think that would almost be respected around the league. Like, I feel like if Seattle was to make an offer sheet to anyone, not just Vancouver, but especially if it was Vancouver, that might be the only time that people around the league go like, yes, we like this. This is this is a fun, cool thing that's happening. And that's just because Seattle is new. And I think that gives them a lot of leeway uh, in this, but what were some of your ideas? I, I liked your ideas. I was thinking about playing with the numbers as well. Um, I was thinking, you know, you have to start with the 10.2 or whatever to make it work, but I like uh, maybe ending it in, in 1917, 1917 is the final digits, just to remind them that, uh, that Seattle has won a Stanley Cup more recently than Vancouver and, and what year it was. Um, so that could be a good way, especially to kick off the rivalry. Um, the next one is is more subtle and probably uh, doesn't have as much mass appeal. I just like it because you know I like the salary cap stuff. It'd be fun to remind them of some salary cap blunders that that Jim Benning has made, um, and maybe some reasons you know his bad cap management, some reasons they can't afford him. I was going to have it be ten million two hundred sixty eight thousand three hundred twenty one dollars be the AAV, and of course that being the numbers. 26, 83, and 21, that being Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle, and Louis Erickson. <laughs> the uh, the three bad contracts the Canucks had to trade away uh, in the OEL deal this offseason. That might be a little much. I could see the look you're giving me. It's <laughs> I mean, it's it's super trolly, right? Like that's that would be the ultimate Jim Benning troll. But again, it's pretty targeted to just Jim Benning. It's not as targeted to the organization. I love the 1917 thing, though. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would say that would probably be the way to go uh, if they're going to do it, you know, with with that in mind. Um, but it was fun to think about. And Pedersen's still out there. I, I will mention he can still be offer sheeted. And uh, one little tidbit from the latest uh, 31 Thoughts podcast, Elliot Friedman said the Canucks were, I think the word he used was paranoid, that Pedersen might be offer sheeted. I think he mentioned it in reference to Montreal turning around and offer sheeting Pedersen to go try and replace the center. But uh, it's definitely something to think about. It's something that's on the Canucks' minds. We now know. Yeah, that would have been fantastic. Like, I would have liked as, to see that. especially if Montreal had actually ended up with him. Like, like just thinking about that from Carolina's standpoint, like, oh, we think we're going to get away with something. We're going to poach Emmy from you. Oh, we're going to take your young centerman. And then, you know, Vancouver just, I mean, Montreal just turns around and steals Pedersen from Vancouver, who's significantly better, at least right now, than Emmy. <laughs> so their team would improve greatly. I, I think that would have been fantastic. That would have been a, a great move by Bergevin. 
Um, and he would have even had some license to do it. You know, they could use this. Yeah. Well, look, we just got our guy poached. You know, you we wouldn't mm -hmm. have to maybe worry too much about retribution. You know, it would be something that was accepted around the league as he was the target first. Yeah, but I mean, either way, Vancouver's got to get him signed. They still got to sign Hughes, like I was saying. It's, it's absolutely first like, order of business. Got to like be clock's ticking. We're like a, a month away from the season starting. I don't, I don't know what's taken Jim Benning so long, other than he doesn't have any cap space because he gave it all to other people uh, that are much worse. All right, this <laughs> will definitely do it. All right, so for the for the kind of last segment of the podcast, RJ, because there wasn't a ton of news this week. Um, you know, I felt that something got lost this past year between all of the COVID stuff, the playoff stuff, the expansion draft, the regular draft, free agency, all of that. I felt like something kind of, you know, was missing from hockey this year, the year of 2021. Uh, would you care to guess what that might be? Man, I I don't know. You've, you've left this a surprise for me. You've told me yes. this is going to be a surprise topic. So I, I don't know. Lay it on me. I've been eager to find out what this is. All right, for the year of 2021, there will not be a Hockey Hall of Fame class. The, the Hockey Hall of Fame announced that way back in January that they would not be having a class this year. Um, in fact, the class of 2020 is going to uh, you know, be inducted this November, and I'm sure we'll talk about that when it comes around in a couple months, and we'll talk about everyone who's involved in that. But... In lieu of there not being a class for this year, I thought we would play, you know, a little bit of a game. Uh, and that's, I want us to go roster by roster and choose the, the player from each team that we think has the best shot of making the Hockey Hall of Fame. Okay, I like that challenge. That's pretty fun. Yeah, so we're going to, you know, go alphabetical by, uh, <clears throat> by location. So, you know, city, state, and some, uh, some instances. And... Uh, we're going to start, of course, with the Anaheim Ducks. So looking at the Anaheim Ducks' active roster, rosters as of today, September 5th, 2021, who on here do you think has the best chance of one day being in the Hockey Hall of Fame? Uh, my eye immediately goes to Ryan Getzlaff. Uh, I think this one might be easier than others. Um, Getzlaff you know, has a great career resume. I mean, and he's got the Stanley Cup. It is from earlier in his career, but... I mean, he's got just about everything you could ask for. You know, he's got international success. He's got, you know, a long and successful NHL career. So I would say him. Um, John Gibson looks there, but, like, goalies don't make it into the Hall of Fame as much as I think they should. So it'd be an uphill battle for him. He would have to win a Stanley Cup, maybe even two. Like, he'd have to, right. he'd have to win a Vesna and a, and a Stanley Cup to do it, even though I'd, I'd argue he might be the best player on this roster, certainly right now because of uh, Getzloff's age. But, yeah. Getzloff, he should hit a thousand points at some point this season. Uh, I just think, you know, everything points towards him for this team. Uh, quick shout out just to Cam Fowler, who's been great in Anaheim, and I don't think always gets the uh, credit he deserves. Um, moving on to the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, you, you see anybody here you like? Um, you know, I mean, this this is a tougher one. Uh, but Phil Kessel, right? Yeah, I mean, he's like the only the only guy in my mind. You know, I, I just look at this roster and I see all the cap dumps. Uh, a bunch of players who aren't going to be playing this year. Uh, but yeah, it, it has to be Phil Kessel. I mean, and again, you're talking about a guy who... He's been fantastic everywhere he's been. Multiple Stanley Cups now. Uh, he's well on his way. He should hit 400 goals this year. That's not an insignificant milestone. 
uh, and you know he's he's been arguably one of the greatest American-born snipers of all time. All right, Boston Bruins. Now this one would have been pretty interesting maybe a couple seasons ago, uh, but they're they've they've slowly been moving on from that from that Stanley Cup winning core. Uh, who do you like here? It's got to be Patrice Bergeron, right? I mean, this this one's pretty easy. He's he's got to be a Hall of Famer, no question. Yeah, he'll make it in because everybody loves him because he's you know Mr. Perfect, yada yada yada. But come on, Brad Marchand, like come on. <laughs> oh, that'll be that'll be an interesting day when he is called to the Hall of Fame. I'm just um, I'm, I'm just saying he's, he has a case. He does. He has a case. His his playoff performance has always been outstanding. He's actually not far off of a point per game pace for his whole career, which I think is very uh, interesting. And uh, yeah, I just I think he would have an interesting case. Certainly, if he had won another Stanley Cup, I think that would have been interesting. Uh, love me some Pasternak. You know, he's one of the greatest goal scorers we have in the league right now. But yeah, I'm with you, Patrice Bergeron. He's won like 10 million Selkies at this point, and uh, that doesn't. Uh, that that means a lot, I'm sure, to the Hockey Hall of Fame. For sure. <laughs> All right, this one, you know, Ar- Arizona. They had Phil. They had Phil Kessel. That was like the the give me off that roster. Uh, who are you gonna take from this Buffalo Sabers roster? Um, I mean, you could go with the, you know, you could try and pick a younger player like a, a Dolly and then think, you know, maybe later in his career. You know, there's enough talent there among some of the young guys. Dylan Cousins even. You know, it, it's not out of the question, but I still think it's Jack Eichel. I mean, we're about to see the the second real chapter of his career start eventually, you know, once he gets traded. Um, and I think whatever he does there, if he, you know, if he plays well and gets healthy, then I think the door, you know, the path is there certainly for him. Yeah. Uh, what's, what's fascinating about this roster is, you know, if you went back three or four years, you'd probably say, well, it's, it would be Jeff Skinner, right? Like, 40 goals score, he's fantastic. Remember what a big deal he was when Carolina hosted the All-Star game a thousand years ago? Um, but yeah, I mean, Jack Eichel is is the guy. Uh, but I, I like those other guys that you brought up because it, it is an interesting one because, you know, the odds are a lot of these young players are going to have really good careers. It's just we have to see it, you know, over the next 10, 15 years. Uh, but it'll at least be fun to to, to watch out for. Uh, the Calgary Flames, RJ. Uh, again, I think this is a team that if you know, I asked you a couple of years yeah. ago, there would have been a lot of guys you you might have said had a shot, but it's it's getting a little interesting now. Uh, tell me why it shouldn't be Milan Lucic though. I was gonna say you better not hit me with Milan Lucic. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I just um, the, the the playoff success, RJ, that the Hockey Hall of Fame covets so much. Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure I'm sure, yeah. Don't don't get me started on Milan Lucic. Um, yeah, he's still hanging around on this Calgary roster. Um, so I mean, he might have a bit of a case, but I'm gonna go with Matthew Kachuk. Um, obviously, a lot of career left for him. You know, he's he's got a ways to go as far as you know building a resume, but I think that's you know he's probably got the best shot at it on this roster. Um, and you know, he's not gonna be forgotten certainly. The way he plays, no one's—he's not going to be one of those under-the-radar guys that's just underappreciated. You, you know, he shows you his value all the time. Yeah, certainly if his career continues on the trajectory that it is now, um, I still think you know Johnny Gaudreau. If 
if he can kind of put things back the way they were two years ago and and has you know another four five six seasons at that pace you know he might be someone that just you know because of the counting numbers the counting stats he might get there again you're talking about a guy even though he's had some pretty you know disappointing seasons the last two years he's still basically a point per game player uh if he was to play you know 1100 games or something and kind of stay around there I, i think he might have a shot uh although you know as it always ends up kind of being, you need to have some playoff success. And I don't know that that's going to be happening for Calgary in the near future. Uh, Carolina, we were just talking about him. Uh, is it going to be Kakaniemi? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about Hall of Fame for Gasperi Kakaniemi. Um, you know, those are some pretty high hopes. Um, yeah, it would certainly justify that that cap hit on the offer sheet if it's him. Um I'd say probably uh, Sebastian Ajo, um, although you've got some really good defensemen like you know Jacob Slavin. I, he's another one of those guys who's you know underappreciated or has been so far in his career, and you know you, you wonder if he has a, a long career playing like he has. You know, does the Hall of Fame take notice? One guy I'm interested in your opinion on though is Jordan Stahl. Yeah, so obviously I'm a former Penguins fan. Uh, I was a big Jordan Stahl fan back when he was on the Penguins. I thought he was fantastic. Uh, obviously, he was very significant in them winning that cup uh, way back when in uh, 2009. Um, you know, he's gone to Carolina. He went there. He started playing with his brother, Eric. Uh, he stayed on there since. He's the team captain. He's one of those guys that's like the ultimate heart and soul kind of player, right? Like those guys that Pierre Maguire would just go on and on and on about, right? And, you know, while, you know, analytically we might go, uh, you know, I don't know. Bottom line is, he's a guy who goes out there, he, he's going to give you 15 to 20 goals every season, but he's going to go out there and be super responsible for you. He's going to be good on face-offs. He's going to be, you know, responsible defensively. And, you know, those guys do get love uh, from the Hockey Hall of Fame. That being said, I think he probably would have needed two Stanley Cups to, to have a good Hall of Fame shot. So um, from Carolina, I too am going to say Sebastian Ajo, but, you know, uh, Sveshnikov, he could have a he could have something to say about that uh, in a couple of years. Who knows? All right. So moving on from Carolina, we have the Chicago Blackhawks. So some some interesting choices here. Uh, again, uh, it's it's probably going to come down to you know it's it's a battle between three people ultimately, uh, but it's it's got to be Marc Andre Fleury. Yeah, I mean, I it's. You have three surefire Hall of Famers on this team, at, at least. I mean, you know, you have the remnants of the dynasty in uh, Taves and Kane. They're both Hall of Famers, 100%. And Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, what, what more do you need to say about Marc-Andre Fleury? He's, you know, easy first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, and, and outside of that, I don't, I don't know that anybody else on here, um, you know, if, if Seth Jones lives up to the height and plays at a, a super high level for like eight more years, maybe, but... Uh, those three all seem like locks to me. Uh, Colorado Avalanche, again, a team where you got a lot of guys you can point to and say, you know, probably. Yeah, I, I would bet that there are multiple future Hall of Famers on this roster right now. Um, it's It's got to start with Nathan McKinnon. I mean, just the, how good of a player he is. I, yeah, it's got to start there. But, you know, depending on how the rest of, of Rantanen or, or Landis Cog's career go, they could be 
you know, in consideration as well. I mean, Kale McCarr too, you know, let's not forget, you know, on the blue line. Yeah, it's this team is so stacked with with great young players. I get, I think this is a good team to bring up. How important is it you think that a player has a Stanley Cup on their resume when it comes time for the Hockey Hall of Fame? I think for Nathan McKinnon, I think he would get in either way. Just I mean, as good of a player as he is and has been, I mean, you just don't have guys that are that talented not make the Hall of Fame, you know, if you can prolong it over a career. Mm-hmm not make the Hall of Fame. I think the rest of them probably would need at least one. You know, we talked about Rantanen, you know, um, or uh, Landeskog or Makar. Maybe not even Makar. We'll see how good, you know, if he can prolong this over an entire career, maybe he doesn't even need one. But I think McKinnon is the only guy who, who wouldn't. Yeah, that 2020 Lady Bing, it, uh, it, it'll definitely help <laughs> carry him in there without the without a Stanley Cup. Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, oh, boy. Can I just say, you know, the ghost of Rick Nash. <laughs> that's a that's a good pick. He's always hanging around there. Um, Otherwise, man. you know, I'll I'll go Patrick Line just because I think he's the best player on the team. So, yeah, he's twenty three. He's got a lot of time left, you know, in his career. And I mean, we've seen him show flashes of being a you know a generational talent goal scorer when he's on his game. So he's probably got the best shot. Yeah, uh, Dallas Stars. Some interesting names on this roster. Uh, it seems like they're always cycling through some some fun veteran players. But, of course, it's probably got to come down to their, their two big names, Jamie Benn or Tyler Sagan, right? Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, it, it's tough. I mean, let's see. Sagan has the has the cup on the re- resume. Jamie Benn doesn't. Um, you also got Ryan Suter there now. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and so he... you got Joe Pavelski there, too, like, there's there's some really you know there's a lot of great names but I feel like it's really it's like four or five borderline guys exactly. at the end of the day um, but yeah yeah I guess that one cup I don't know how much that'll factor in for Sagan because he was 19 when they won right it. I don't think it's gonna weigh too heavily but I don't know just the the gravity of a Stanley Cup that you can say I mean it's kind of like Getzloff uh yeah so that's probably it for dallas although they you know again they have some interesting young defensemen too that'll be interesting to see how their careers play out the detroit red wings the team that was once full of uh hockey hall of fame surefire bets and now right i i don't know where to maybe philip zadina that might be uh the pick just because he's got so much career left and he's got that draft pedigree um you know, I don't. I'm looking down this roster. I don't see any future Hall of Famers there. No, again, you know, those first like couple seasons of Dylan Larkin, you would have been like, oh, him for sure. But now I, I can't do it. Uh, yeah, even the veteran guys, they're guys like you know Mark Saul, Mark Stahl, uh, Sam Gagne, like, just not, not Hall of Famer names on this team. And the Edmonton Oilers, okay, obviously McDavid, so let's just go ahead and count him. Is is Dreisaitl the next guy, like, or is it someone else, maybe? I think it's someone else. I think it's Duncan Keith. Yeah. All right, you, so, you, fell, you fell for my big ruse. Okay. <laughs> that was, that was yeah, basically just, it. Could sidestep the whole Dreisaitl conversation, because that gets controversial in hockey circles. Duncan Keith. Yeah. 
Uh, the Florida Panthers. Is it going to be your guy? Is it, is it going to be Jumbo? It has to be. It has to be. Surefire Hall of Famer. First ballot, no question. Um, yeah, he's an absolute legend. He will be in the Hall of Fame. It's got to be Joe Thornton. Yeah, I, I would definitely say he's the most, uh, the most like kind of guaranteed. Uh, that being said, Sasha Barkov's probably going to end up there one day too. Uh, certainly, if he continues playing like he did last year, good God, that guy was amazing. Uh, Los Angeles Kings. So again, another team. They got some good young players, uh, but then they also have some guys left over from their dynasty years. Uh, is it you know, is it Jonathan Quick? Obviously, he hasn't been great the last couple seasons, but those those cup winning years man when he was on we you know very few goalie runs have ever looked like that or is it somebody like kopitar who's kind of been a steady mainstay for them for you know a decade plus it's a good question i think they'll both get in um i'd say quick probably gets the nod just because of his level of play in in the playoffs um which i know is is looked at quite a bit you know but also the regular season numbers you know this counting numbers he's still racking up he's still playing um but yeah when he was at his best I mean, he's one of the best to, goalies to ever play so um just so hard to beat when he's when he was really on in his prime but i think kopitar will get there too he's a huge part of those dynasty teams yeah I, I think you know as we've been saying the stanley cup's important the fact that uh quick has a con Smythe, that's like the ultimate almost like if you get one of those you're kind of guaranteed to get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Kopitar does have the two Selkies. And then I guess we do. We should mention uh, Dustin Brown and his contract. I'm just kidding. Drew Doughty, uh, just, just should mention him. He does have a Norris Trophy, four-time All-Star, the two Stanley Cups like everybody else. But I feel like, I don't know, remember, he was like the guy for a long time. Remember, it was like, oh, you should. everybody on the East Coast should be staying up to watch Drew Doughty. And I just feel like that hasn't been there the last couple of years, so... Uh, I don't know if, if that'll be there when it comes time for the Hockey Hall of Fame to to vote on him. Uh, the Minnesota Wild. Um, again, kind of a lot of interesting names, but I don't know that anybody screams Hall of Famer. Right. Uh, looking, you know, looking down the roster, I just there's not a whole lot um, of you know guys I would think are surefire guys. It might be Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah, I mean, certainly if he's able to. If we're going for potential. Yeah, it, based on potential, he's he would be the guy. Um, there's there's tons of guys I, I love on here and have been really solid and good players for a long time. Uh, Jared Spurgeon or uh, Jonas Brodin, but not to the level of a you know to be a defensive defenseman and make the Hockey Hall of Fame. You have to be like you know really significant and on it. And I just I, they've never been quite at that level. All right, the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, it was, of course, Cockney-Emmy, but now I just, whew, I don't know. I mean, who's left besides, you know, Carey Price, Shea Weber, Eric Stahl? <laughs> Jeff Petrie's mustache, which I'm sure whenever he, whenever he shaves that, it will end up in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, I, for my money, I'd say Shea Weber, probably. I mean, I guess him and Carey Price are probably both locks. It's like the Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze thing, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I'd say Price has got to be a lot. Yeah. Uh, Eric Stahl is interesting, though. Do you, do you think he gets in? Oh, man. I, I would say, yeah. I mean, he's got the Stanley Cup to you know to add to the resume, and he was instrumental in that, that team. He was younger, but he was 
still a big part of it. And um, especially what he's done later in his career, kind of resurrecting his career after it looked like he kind of out of gas. Um, you know, I, I'd make the case for him. And, uh, you know, I think voters might just want, certainly one of the Stahl brothers needs to make it in, right? I would think so. And, and for my money, he's probably the one to do it. You know, again, his counting stats are very similar to a Ryan Getzloff um, kind of guy. So uh, he's, I think he's got a good shot. It'll all depend on like who else is around, you know, maybe he's not like a first ballot guy, but on a, on a year where there's, you know, not really any great candidates he can sneak in. Mm-hmm. The Nashville Predators. So again, some interesting names. Uh, Roman Yossi? That's the one that stood out to me. Um, yeah, Yossi's name is the only one that, that really stands out. I mean, early on in the career, you could you know say maybe Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson were on that trajectory, but they're certainly not anymore. Uh, yeah, Yossi's the only name that, that stands out to me. Yeah, and you know, my only my only thing with Yossi is he's only played 680 games, and he's already 31. So I just don't know that he's going to be able... I feel like for the defenseman, you got to be able to play like a thousand games. That kind of seems like the unofficial official threshold. And I don't know that he's going to be able to get there. Um, or if he does, how how effective he's going to be towards the end of his career. Um, the New Jersey Devils. Again, it's another team kind of filled with young kids. Uh, it's, I guess, P.K. Subban maybe? Maybe. I I don't know. I mean, he's, let's see, he's 32. Um, yeah, I don't know. I It also depends. He's done, how much do you think that his, you know, off-ice resume and, and how much, you know, wonderful stuff he's done in the community, wherever he's been, how much that might play as a factor? I know they're not supposed to necessarily, you know, put too much stock to that, but you know that voters think about that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys that everyone around the league just loves. Um, yeah, I think that would play a, a role in it. Um, I think he's probably got to have like a, a bounce back year or two, maybe just to kind of solidify. Again, he's got to play some more games to kind of get to that thousand games played mark. But I mean, I don't see anybody else on this roster that I'd feel comfortable saying has a real shot. Unless, you know, Jack Hughes, right? He's young. He's got time. He could turn into to you know kind of what he was always projected to be but but yeah i I think i'd go pk suban there the new york islanders who you got (laughs) here um you have a lot of veteran guys that i i don't that are really good role players but i don't know are are hall of fame caliber um i'm i'm gonna go with matt barzell Mm -hmm. yeah i i like that pick i'm with you there's tons of names on here Johnny Boychuk's been a fantastic player forever, but he's never been the guy. Um, you know, Brock Nelson, Jean Gabriel Pajot, even Simeon Varlamov, right? Like we've seen him be successful in various roles in various places, and you know, there's something to be said for that. But it doesn't make you a, a Hall of Famer. Barzal, he, yeah, if he can continue at this pace for another, you know, ten years, he, he'll be a Hall of Famer. Uh, the New York Rangers now. Uh, I mean, it's Henrik Lundqvist. Let's just say that. I know he's not on the team, <laughs> but like, it's him. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll go with Mike Nash exemption here, and <laughs> exactly. Uh, other parent. Yeah, probably. The thing that's going to be interesting with him is how many 
how many games does he end up playing, right? Like, like how much how much tread is left on the tires? He's going to be 30 for this season. Um, he's only played 433 games. Obviously, he's been fantastic for all of that. Uh, but he did, you know, he missed out on those Chicago Stanley Cups, so he doesn't have a cup on the on the resume. Um, and you know, for me, that that might that be. That is true. I think the one thing Panarin has going for him is, you know. Honestly, right now we can say he's a top five player in the league, and again, I feel like that's one of those things that a uh, a Hall of Famer needs to be able to say. Uh, looking to the Ottawa Senators, um, is it the other Kachuk brother on this team? You know what? It might be, but I mean, we're clearly going with potential here. This is a is a young team. Um, we're looking at which guys, you know, throughout their whole career are going to make it. Um, you know, Tim Stutzla is another consideration. I like Josh Norris. Um, he played really well last season, and he, he was a draft pick from a few years ago, and he wasn't like an early first rounder, so he kind of got you know lost in the shuffle with these high draft picks like Kachuk and Stutzla. But uh, I think the uh, the path is there for him. It'll really just depend on how much success this young core has, you know, throughout the course of their careers. Yeah, I mean, thirty five points last year. Uh, not too bad. Uh, I'm going to just get, give an honorable mention to Thomas Shabbat, but, uh, you know, things would have to really change for that team if he was going to make the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, again, kind of an interesting roster to do this with. You have, you have someone like a Claude Giroux, but, I mean, he hasn't been Claude Giroux in a while now, or at least... He hasn't seemed like it. Yeah, he might be one of those guys that we were pointing to that, well, might need a little later career resurgence uh, to kind of remind voters and get them in. Um, how about Keith Yandel? That's an interesting one. Because, yeah, he's very much in that you know zone of he plays a ton of games. He's always been around. He's always been someone that you'd say is, you know, really good, but he's never been in that, like, upper echelon of defensemen. He hasn't, you know, ever won an award or anything like that. But he has received Norris votes, you know, a couple of times. Um, yeah, I could see Keith Yandel over Claude Giroux. Yeah, he... I mean, the Iron Man streak is something that, you know, we'll see how much that would weigh in. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, he's gone under the radar. He spent his first nine seasons in Arizona, or Phoenix, I guess, as it was then. Uh, so, you know, not a lot of attention was on him, but, uh, yeah, he's always been someone that's, you know, been really solid and reliable. Yeah. All right. The Pittsburgh Penguins, and we're <laughs> going to go ahead and, and not, not count Crosby, Malkin, or Latang because they're all guaranteed to go. So not counting those three, who do you think's got the best shot of making the Hall of Fame outside of them? Outside of them? I mean... Jeff Carter uh, might be worth a look, you know, for his involvement in the Kings dynasty. You know, he was uh, pretty heavily involved there. And he, who knows, depends on how these next seasons go, but he might have this really late career resurgence to kind of remind voters, again, he looked really good with the Penguins last season, although he did kind of waste away with the Kings mm -hmm. after, uh, after the dynasty years. What do you think? Yeah, I think if he's able to win a third Stanley Cup with the Penguins next year, that 
that might make him a lock. I think, you know, Stanley Cups are important. I think Stanley Cups with multiple teams are important because that kind of shows you're one of those guys. And again, all he needs to do is score one goal and he's at 400. Um, he's got an outside shot at getting the 800 career points this year too, depending on, you know, a couple factors. Otherwise, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that anybody on this roster, I guess after him, I'd say Jake Gensel, but eh, it's... Yeah. Again, we're, you know, there was already three guaranteed people on this roster, so it's not like we're we're spending a ton of time there. Uh, San Jose Sharks, your team, from my team to your team, uh, Patrick Marlowe, right? Well, he's not really on the roster anymore. I mean, he's uh, he's just a free agent hanging out. Yeah, but, but he's, that's, he's like got to give him a mention, though. Yeah. You know, Seattle Thunderbird, you got to give him a mention. But aside from him, because that's a foregone conclusion, he, I mean, he, he'll be a Hall of Famer for sure. Um, it's going to be interesting I, coming down to whether it's Brent Burns or Eric Carlson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Burns, I mean, you know, they both have like the Norris pedigree. Uh, you know, Carlson a little better in that regard. But I don't know, looking at the future of Carlson's career, I don't know that he's going to be able to hold up as well, you know, getting older as Brent Burns has. Exactly. And, you know, Burns has the time spent playing forward, showing that he was versatile in that way and that he was, you know, still really, really effective at it. Um, Counting stat wise, obviously favors Carlson. As you said, he has two Norris trophies compared to Brent Burns's one. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I think I'm kind of leaning with you. I I think it might be Brent Burns. When did Eric Carlson turn 31? Like, that kind of really snuck up. Like, it, it just seemed like he was, you know, the 25-year-old wonder kid with the Ottawa Senators, and now he's 31 all of a sudden. Exactly. I don't know. But I've got to give a mention here to Mark Edward Vlasic, mm-hmm. who will always be underappreciated. Probably should have won a Norris at some point. Certainly should have won a Lady Bing. Mm-hmm. Um, great defensive defenseman, and that's something that will always be underappreciated, but got to give him a nod there, the body of work that he's built over his career. Yeah, it's just it's tough when you you've played a thousand plus games and your your total points is in the three hundreds. But it it shows you know he he's hung around for a really long time. He's commanded a high price tag as you're well aware of. But it's yeah. because he has earned that. All right, the Seattle Kraken, RJ. The moment everyone's of course been waiting for us to get to. Uh, again, a lot of interesting choices. Generally for expansion drafts, you know kind of obvious Hall of Famers aren't usually exposed in those types of things. Um, but but who do you think on this team? I mean, the first place you have to go is probably Mark Giordano mm-hmm. because he's probably one of those bubble guys mm-hmm. that you look at and has you know, had this long career and great body of work, and especially coming from being undrafted and the way he worked his way to the NHL. Um, you know, there's a lot to be admired there. And, of course, he's toward the end of his career. I don't think we're going to see, you know, like his his best playing days, he's no longer in his prime. But uh, yeah, I think he's probably a bubble guy. That certainly, if he's able to lead the Kraken to some real success early on, that could kind of finalize his case and get him there. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree. If if he's named a team captain and the team goes on a playoff run, I think that'll weigh uh, very heavily in his favor. Um, other than him, yeah, I mean. I don't know. Jordan Everly's kind of always been good, but not great. That's that's really the story of this team, right? There's a lot of good players, but not, you know, great players. Because again, 
why would you expose a great player in an expansion draft, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, maybe... Nah, I think Philip Grubauer is probably too old. And it's hard as a goalie. It's really hard as it a goalie. Is. You, you really need those career like win numbers to show the longevity and stuff if you're a goalie. But yeah, I think Giordano's the most likely bet. Uh, the St. Louis Blues. So, you know, they still have a lot of guys that were there when they won the Cup a couple years ago. Um, again, a lot of good players, but maybe not too many great players. Brandon Saab, just because, like I said, he's won multiple Cups with multiple teams. Or he's at least won one cup with two different teams. Maybe, um, although I don't, I don't know that the level of play has been high enough, mm-hmm. you know, to, at its peak to get there. Maybe Ryan O'Reilly. He was the other guy I was looking at. You got the cup. You got a Selkie. You got a Lady Bing. You got a Con Smythe. Again, like I said, I think Con Smythe's really mean a lot. Yeah, he's probably he'd probably be the guy for me off this team. Looking at it, you know, again, a couple of years ago you would have said Tarasenko, but. Unfortunately, injuries do indeed happen. All right, the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, again, you're, Start. Yeah, you're looking at one of these dynasty-type teams. You're looking at multiple guys you can say are top five at their position. Um, I don't even know. Victor Hedman, just because of all the awards. Right. I mean, I count as many as seven possibilities. I mean, Corey Perry, for one. Mm-hmm. Um it's a newer guy. Um, Stamkos is going to be an iffy case. Um, and he's only 31. I think he, I don't know, the, the, the Stanley Cups, all the success is there, but I just think he's going to have to show the longevity. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. I mean, Ryan McDonough probably just will fall short of that. Nikita Kucherov, certainly, if he continues his career trajectory. Yeah. Uh, and Andre Vasilevsky, you could say the same thing about. Yeah, I think Vasilevsky, you know, outside of, you know, guys like Quick that have already had a lot of success. I feel like he's the the one goalie around the league that I'd say, you know, is the only one kind of headed towards the Hall of Fame. Uh, Kucherov, again, it's a little bit... Well, I guess he started at 20. I just always think of him coming in a little bit later. Um, but yeah, I like Kucherov. I just... I mean, it's kind of crazy as we talk about Stamkos as like a borderline guy when he's, you know, he's going to for sure get to 500 career goals. He's, you know, been a point-per-game guy. He'll probably play a 1,000 games. It's it's one, two Rocket Richards, you know. Well, looking at all that, I don't know how you keep him out, uh, honestly. It, um, it's just he's only 31, so I'm like, oh, well, he's got more to do. But, I mean, what what more, you know, has he done? So Right, he's, he's captain two Stanley Cup winning teams. It could easily grow from there, too. So uh, I think Hedman and Stamkos are are there for sure. And I think Kucherov and Vasilevsky are well on their way. And I do like the Corey Perry one, especially if he wins another cup with Tampa Bay. I, I think that'll, that'll kind of lock it up for him. The Toronto Maple Leafs. Interesting. So um, I, I've been sorting here by, by years of experience. So the first guy coming up is Jason Spezza. <laughs> well, let's talk about him for a sec, because, you know, we've talked about guys like Jumbo, we've talked about Patrick Marlowe, Ryan Getzloff, Corey Perry, does he kind of fall into that same sphere for you? Um, you know, he he does in a way, but again, he's one of those guys that I think you know certain guys like a like a Joe Thornton, where you just you think, okay, they, or Patrick Marlowe, even with all that they've done, they don't need a Stanley Cup, and that's okay. But Spezza, I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I, I agree with that. I think he's he's just like kind of one tier below uh, some of those guys. So outside of that, John Tavares, I guess, mm. probably screams the most just because he's been around a little bit longer than an Austin Matthews. But at the same time, like Austin Matthews is, is the most gifted player on this team, I think. For sure. For sure. And if he continues his career trajectory, I think he'll get in with or without a cup. I mean, just how good, as good as he's been. Yeah, his his ability to score goals is just insane. Uh, one person that'll be interesting to watch, especially because of all the off-ice stuff, would be Mitch Marner, right? He's, he's a point-per-game guy, has been for five years, but, you know, is I, he feels like someone who might need a Stanley Cup. Just, right. just because his case of, is, is yeah. always going to be controlled by that narrative of you know of holding out and, and wanting more money and all this stuff that we all know from the Toronto market. That's going to be, you know, how that story ends up playing out. What the what the ending feels like is going to determine that for him. I think. Yeah. All right. So we're coming up on the end here. Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. You know. Eh. I mean, you know, you could go with the young guys, you know, Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes. They still have a lot of work ahead of them, but as far as most likely, I'd say that's probably who it is. Yeah, I agree. I I don't think any of the veteran guys are uh, are going to be good enough. Uh, looking ahead to the Vegas Golden Knights. So I would have said it was going to be Flower, but of course they made the insane decision to get rid of him, at least certainly in the way they got rid of him. Uh, looking at their roster now, Mark Stone, maybe, if he can put together a few more years of playing the way he has. Uh, Max Pacioretty, he's, yeah, maybe not so much. Uh, Shea Theodore. Yeah, bubble guys, I think. Mark Stone, probably the top among them. And we'll see what, what uh, Shea Theodore is able to do going forward. Yeah, but, yeah, I, I lean Mark Stone out of those guys. Uh, the Washington Capitals, again, let's exclude Ovi because, like, duh. Do you think Backstrom's kind of like an automatic lock? He should be. I think he should, you know, played in a, in a, you know, bigger, in a more visible player's shadow, I guess, throughout his career, uh, being an Ovi shadow. But he's certainly done enough to, uh, to merit a Hall of Fame case in his own right. And I think the Stanley Cup was kind of the clincher for that. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, otherwise... I don't really know that anyone else. T.J. Oshie, you yeah, know. Forget Zdeno Chara. Oh yeah, I did. He's yeah, I totally missed him. Him for sure. He's guaranteed. For sure, first, first ballot, easy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Tom Wilson maybe. Just. <laughs> I was looking at that. Notorious Tom oh, Wilson. That case to make. All right, and Dude, he's changed the game. He's, he has. He's on the game. I'm just saying, you know, it's it's a Hall of Fame. He's. You know, someone people that don't really even follow hockey know about that. Without being like a top player, that's that's quite the feat. Uh, all right. Last but not least, the Winnipeg Jets. Again, this this almost feels like Seattle in a way. It's like a ton of good players, but no one that totally stands out. I I want to say Blake Wheeler just because I think again he's someone who's been underrated for a really long time. But at the end of the day. I just don't think the numbers are going to be there, certainly if he doesn't have a Stanley Cup. Absolutely. Wheeler is the guy I, I looked at, but, yeah, I just think the numbers are lacking. And, and like you said, Stanley Cup, that's that's the thing that's missing. So. Yeah. And, and outside of that, you know, 
Paul Stasny, but I think Wheeler's been better than him. I just, yeah, don't see a ton of guys here. Oh, well. Yep. They're still a good team. I'd, I'd love to see a lot of the guys on that team win a Stanley Cup. I think that would be a lot of fun, and a lot of them deserve it. But... And those fans, great fans, got to give a mention. Oh, for sure. Anybody who's got to dig through like nine feet of snow just to go to work in the morning, that's they, they deserve to have some happiness in their lives, that's for sure. Uh, but that was that for that game. Uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed it. I had fun doing it. Um, and that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, as always, make sure to check out our website, emeraldcityhockey.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at emeraldcityhky. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>